98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Thursday. It is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here, Aaron. So the Arizona Cardinals are gearing up to take on the Seahawks on Sunday in Seattle. And the Cards did release an estimated injury report yesterday. James Conner, Rodney Hudson, Trayvon Mullen, Matt Prater, and Daryl Williams did not participate. While Max Garcia, Dennis Gardeck, Sean Harlow, DJ Humphreys, Rashard Lawrence, and Justin Pugh were limited. And now, just moments ago, NFL insider Aaron Wilson tweeted out that James Conner is expected to miss Seattle game with rib injury. Whoa. All right. So, what do you guys think? I um, I didn't necessarily expect that one, Wolf. I thought maybe they would have Connor and Eno. Um, Eno and Keontae Ingram, here we go. I mean, there is a reason that they kept a fifth running back, and it wasn't that they thought they would need five. It was that they liked what they saw out of Keontae Ingram. They probably didn't want to use him in week six. Yeah. But here we go. This is, as you've been saying, the, the week to run the ball, and you're missing two of your top four and three of your top five running backs. You know, it actually, it stinks, of course. Are you kidding me? Yet at the same time, I might actually get my wish a little bit more Kyler Murray under center. And the only reason why I say that is because I've been told by the offensive lineman, Ito Benjamin is the best tackle zone running back they have on the team. And maybe they'll put Kyler under center and actually run the tackle zone and use a little play action, the boot and the waggle. Maybe get them out on the edge. Maybe maybe it's going to force their hand a little bit. I don't know, but I do know this right here. Eno Benjamin, I'm okay. Eno's getting a spot start. I'm okay with Eno Benjamin, man. I'm happy he gets the not not under these circumstances, obviously. But right. He's been working for this for a while. And guess what? Keontae Ingram, he's going to get some reps. Yeah, we're going to see some Get stuff. ready. So the Cardinals are getting ready to take on the Seahawks. So with two games over five days, how are they preparing themselves? Here's Cards head coach Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. We had a walkthrough. Basically got two games in nine days. So um, felt like we could use just some mental reps, having everybody out there, even the guys going through some um, nicks and things like that. So it was good to have everybody out and really detail things up. What's the best way to navigate having two games in five days like the Cardinals have themselves. <laughs> Cliff said nine. Cliff said nine. He's, it's all right. So we'll get some. Well, maybe he meant from when they were talking to him. Because Kyler said that yesterday, too. Yeah. Oh, so maybe okay. they were saying two in the next nine days. But it is two games in five days. It's two, two games, games in nine days is nothing. Well, who cares about that? Yeah. Even two yeah. days in, uh, yeah. Yeah, two games um, in five days is the better way to put two it. Two days in five games. Yeah, five days. You got to be all You got to take it on a base-by-base cases me. and situations like this. Two days. Oh, man. Okay. You know, for me right now, I don't even care. I I don't even care what it is what they do. I want to see them come out and play. Whatever they do, whatever they think they have to do to get ready to come out and seize control of the game, that's all I care about, period. Honestly, this is the best way they think they can do it, so be it. the, The way things have gone at home, 
for that second game, whatever the opposite of what you think is you should be doing, do that. Don't change anything for this week because everything you're doing on the road works. Yeah. <laughs> Two days and five games. That's great. <laughs> Even that sounded confusing in my head. I was like, wait, what? Well, that's called a malaprop, just so you know. The Suns wrapped up their preseason yesterday with a 105-104 loss to the Kings. Head coach Monty Williams elected to rest his four healthy starters, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton, joined Landry Shamit, Campaign, Cam Johnson, and Dario Saric as out. So as the season inches closer, how does Mikel Bridges feel about the team? Good. I mean, especially from the beginning to where we're at now, um, for the pr- first preseason game to the last one, I think, you know, from the Lakers game, we had a jump, but Denver, I think we also took a bigger jump. And, I mean, I think we knew that when we had a couple good practices and we was really, like, bumping and playing long-minute quarters. And we just we felt like, okay, like... Now that's, uh, you know, we played 12-minute quarters, and at the end of 12-minute quarters, I was supposed to feel just tired. And then now, all our habits, you know, what are we going to do when you're tired, you know? And just doing our little things, keeping our habits strong, even when we're tired. What do you guys think? How do you guys feel about the Suns after the final preseason game with about, what is it, five days until the regular season gets going? That's enough time. Or is it six days? It's six days. Uh, Look, I I still feel good about this team. I understand that the West has gotten stronger, and you can't deny that. But a team like New Orleans scares me, obviously. Golden State, not scares, but it's a team you got to look at. Uh, I find it interesting that everybody's just like, well, the Clippers are going to be amazing. They might be, but a lot of these guys that you're counting on to be amazing haven't played in forever. So do the Clippers have the upside to be amazing? Yeah, but this thought that the Clippers just are going to be great, and the Suns suddenly aren't going to be, the Suns still actually have their players and the Clippers haven't for a couple years. I just, I think they're right there. I think they're, whatever that list is of teams that can actually win the title Wolf, it's got Golden State and it's got Milwaukee, it's got Boston it probably has the Clippers, but the Suns are definitely on that list too. You know, there are so many storylines, of course, from this past offseason for the Phoenix Suns. Um, just listening to Mikal Bridges makes me feel so much better. I I mean, honestly, this kid, what a good basketball player he truly is. And I think he's only going to get better. I think what we saw last year is still a developing Mikal Bridges. And I think we're going to still see him developing this year. But the maturity, I just love it coming from I could listen to Mikal Bridges talk all day long. It's always a situation where he answers the question, and not only that, um, he does it in a very articulate, even-keeled kind of way, and I love it. Philly's got to be on that list, too. I forgot the Sixers. The Coyotes open their season tonight on the road against the Penguins at 4 o'clock. You can hear it over on ESPN 620. So, our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, who will lead the Arizona Coyotes in goals in 2022-2023? Your choices, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Dylan Gunther, or Lawson Kraus? All right. Well, if I'm going to answer this with a caveat, I don't know for sure that Dylan Gunther is going to play here all season. We'll okay. see. Just with the weird CHL rules where, you know, at a certain point after nine games, they either have to send him back down to junior or he's got to stay here all year. He can't go to the AHL. He's the best pure goal scorer on this list. I just don't know if he'll be here all year. So to me, it's Keller or Schmaltz. 
And if you're talking about goals, I'm actually going to go with Schmaltz if he can stay on the ice. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Clayton Keller, as a matter of fact. Um, this is a guy that we all know his athletic prowess offensively, of course, but guy who scored, what, 28 goals? Was it 28 goals last year? Um, yeah, you know, honestly, I think 40 is attainable for Clayton Keller. So if we're talking about goals, I'm going to go goal. I will take 40 from Clayton Keller if, they, if he can if he can do that. I'll tell you what, I'll just say this, it's impressive Clayton Keller's back on the ice after the way last season ended for him. So 69% say Clayton Keller, 14% say Dylan Gunther, 9% say Lawson Kraus, and then 8% Nick Schmaltz. I like the Dylan Gunther love that. This guy's he's going to be good when he when he sticks in the NHL. Maybe he sticks this year, but uh, but he's going to be good. All right, that was Wolfen down your lunch. Thank you as always, Aaron. When we come back, you heard a little bit of right there, but uh, the injury report. First of all, I want to give want to do this uh, promotion. It's a pretty good one with what's going on next week. Arizona's going prime time next week as the Phoenix Suns tip off the NBA season against the Mavericks, and then the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football out at State Farm Stadium. We are giving you the chance to experience both in person. Just text primetime to 620-620 and listen for your name starting Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner each day is going to win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. That's primetime to 620-620. So, when we come back, where do the Cardinals stand injury-wise beyond just the running back room heading into week six? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we got into it a little bit there during Wolfing Down Your Lunch, but the uh, story is out there now that the Cardinals doesn't sound like they're going to have James Conner on Sunday in Seattle, Wolf, so no... No Connor, no Daryl Williams, no Jonathan Ward. That uh, <laughs> leaves you a happy that you kept five running backs, and yes. uh, and and b now putting a lot of this game in Seattle in the hands of Eno Benjamin and potentially a completely unproven rookie in Keontae Ingram. Yeah. Um, first of all, this sucks buttermilk. There's no doubt about it. It's just bad news. Um, you don't get better as a football team because James Connor is not going to play. He's not going to play. You don't get better as a football team. Um, yet at the same time, I'm wildly excited about the possibility that Eno Benjamin is going to get the start. And I would imagine that's a pretty secure possibility that he will get the start. Keontae Ingram is a guy that I think also will get some reps in this game, but... Eno Benjamin is ready for this. He really is. Um, I don't like Eno Benjamin being the starter week after week after week. And the reason being is because I, I think Eno just doesn't have the size, doesn't have the mass to be that guy week after week after week. And when I say that, I'm assuming the starter, of course, is going to get the vast amount of carries and touches in a game. Um Eno Benjamin also is very good in all three things you want a running back to do. Run the ball, catch the ball coming out of the backfield, and pick up blitzing linebackers. Blitz pickup. He's very, very good in all three of those areas, and that's the reason why I feel comfortable with him as a starter. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see what he can do because in the limited time he has been on the field this season and last season. 
he's made some memorable plays. Uh, the biggest one, obviously, being that that run against San Francisco last year. But he's got another one, uh, a good run this year. He's made a few really good plays. He was he was the buzz of training camp. He was the buzz of preseason, and now he gets a chance to, like you said, I would assume starts. And I'm I'm interested in seeing Keontae Ingram too. Now. Do I wish this team was four and one right now, or at least three and two when you're bringing in two relatively unproven, one, yeah. one completely unproven guy, uh, to play a, a big role against the Seattle team that can score? Yeah, but that, nothing's ever perfect in the NFL. It really isn't. And I just keep coming back to the fact that Keontae Ingram is a guy they kept when it really logic dictated you don't keep a fifth running back. I mean, how many times did we say on the show, it's not like this is a team that lines up two backs on the field. (laughs) Right. So why would you keep a fifth running back when you only have a 53-man roster? Well, you'd keep him because you liked something you saw to the point where you're like, we can't leave him out there. Somebody else will take him. Yeah, I was so wrong on that base. Really, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. Seriously, I'm wrong every day of my life, so I have no problem actually admitting it. Um, Five running backs was just, that was inconceivable. I even mocked Dave Bash on the air, basically <laughs> on television, yeah, first time talking for about will you stop? Will you stop it, David? With five, you're going to go with a Pentagon room? Is that what you're doing? Um, no, we'll take the square. That's enough. A lot of teams just go with a triangle. Um, Wait, does, does this have anything to do with the hexagon of victory? <laughs> no, but again, okay. if you're going to keep five running backs, yeah. it was the no, Pentagon. I understand. You I get just it. Want okay, to see how good. These shapes all add up. Um, but that was inconceivable, and now, wow. Looks like, well, what a smart thing to do right there. Now, you can call it lucky. I'll call it lucky. But uh, Keontae Ingram, I, I'm i okay with that, too. Now, I don't want to see Keontae Ingram getting a lot of third and obvious pass situations. I don't want to see that right now because um, that's typically when a team might dial it up a little bit against Kyler Murray. And I think uh, Eno Benjamin would do better in those third and obvious pass situations. That that yes, yeah. that might actually. Hmm, do you got the circumference to run Keontae Ingram out there in rundown like situations? Second and four. <laughs> it's second and four. First and ten. Hey Keontae, what do you say you run the ball? If oh wait, that's assuming of course the Cardinals do run the ball a lot. Well. We're going to find out (laughs) what they think about Keontae Ingram. Because at the start of the season, it was like, okay, here's James Conner. And he's got two guys behind him. But really, Darrell Williams is his backup. And he knows kind of the change of pace. So do they see Keontae Ingram as an Eno Benjamin or a James Conner? Because if they see him as a James Conner then he's going to get more of those carries that you're talking about, yeah. and Eno's just going to stay in the Eno role I and just don't maybe know expand can, it. Can you trust that, though? Keontae, Keontae Ingram, you're going to get the vast majority of the reps in rundown. Can you? Can Man, um, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, the coaches know. They know if the kid can handle it. I, I haven't talked to anyone over there in regard to Keontae Ingram and how well he's picked up the offense and how confident they are in Keontae being able to pick up blitzers coming out of the secondary. Um, I haven't talked to him, but maybe he's more than capable. Well, it goes back to the start of this conversation. What was your motivation for keeping five running backs? I don't think the Cardinals kept five running backs because they're like, well, what if three of them get hurt? Because then you'd keep five running backs every year. Right. You kept five running backs because you do, to a certain extent, see something you really like in Keontae Ingram. We'll see. Um, 
The other thing, Wolf, we were talking about this earlier. What do you think of when the Cardinals play the Seahawks? And typically it's okay they're going up against Russell Wilson and that, that fan base and that defense. The one thing we left out and the one thing that sort of makes me uneasy, honestly, is I also think of close games that come down to kicks or weird games that end up like 6-6 six, six ties or whatever that one was a few years ago because nobody oh could make a goodness. kick. Um And the Cardinals are not going to have Matt Prater this week. Here's Cliff Kingsbury. Prater, no. No, don't don't look like he'll make it this week. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully by by next Thursday, we'll see how that goes. So, I mean, for Cliff to say, and that's from yesterday, for yeah. Cliff to definitively say a guy's out on Wednesday, I, I'm just connecting some dots here. He's obviously out this week, and next week's a short week. I, and he might not be back for a couple games. Yeah. He already missed a game. And where I'm going with this is Matt Amendola. Whether you are frustrated with him or not, is Suddenly a key part of this team, whether whether you think he should be or not, a guy that's two of nine career from beyond 40 yards, they're going to need him this week, and they may very well need him against New Orleans, too. You know what I'd love to do right now? Seriously, um, it makes me think you're in four-down territory. If you're going to kick a field goal, you're probably not going to do that. If you're inside the 40, maybe you will. If it's a 27-yard field goal, maybe you'll run... Amandola out there. But to me, I think this might put the Cardinals in a, you know, no sleep till Brooklyn. All <laughs> right. In other words, Wasn't Beastie that our Kevin Boys, team? just go full on Beastie Boys and just say no sleep till pay dirt. We're going to score a touchdown. No sleep till. Yeah. Do you feel that right I, now, Beastie I Boys? I had my headset turned way up. I mean, why not just do it? Just adopt this no sleep till Brooklyn, no sleep till pay dirt. Let me let me say this, Wolf. We're going to be sleepless in Seattle. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Well done. Well done. You set yourself up. Um, If if they're going to do that, if they're going to take that mentality of like, look, guys, we're not kicking a field goal outside of like the 30. Right. Um. I, I would rather, especially in light of how the last game ended and, and just kind of how things have gone this season, I would rather they have decided that today or tomorrow. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want it to be like, oh, the clock, game clock's running down. Uh, we don't want to kick a field goal because this is like 43. We didn't have a plan in place for this. What should we do? Delay a game now. It's 48. Matt Amendola is kicking it backwards. Have your plan going into the week because this is a weird circumstance. Yes. No, you're right. And you'd have to approach it that way as well. You'd have to say, okay, right now we're in four down. Right now, we're in four down. And we trained for this all week. We knew this mentally. Exactly right. So we're going to have, we're going to call plays based on the fact we're in four down. Um, I think that's really important that you do that, of course. And listen, it it may change, but I would just adopt that, um, that mindset, that mentality going up there in front of the 12s, knowing how, how well the Seattle Seahawks are playing offensively and the kind of points they're capable of putting up on the board. Now, again, this defense, this is the biggest test for this defense. This is even a bigger test than what they faced against the Eagles, in my opinion. This is this is how well Geno Smith is playing. He's got the highest passer rating in the National Football League. Jalen Hurts is actually number 8. When it comes to quarterback rating, number eight. Mahomes is two, and Mahomes no, is having a pretty Mahomes good year. Is looking up at Geno Smith <laughs> in his 113.1 You're saying absurd quarterback things. rating. 
the other thing I just checked too, and obviously this can change, um, but it is. I was worried about weather too. Yeah. It, I just don't want them going in and be like, "Well, Matt Amendola is basically Matt Prater. He's not. Matt Prater is one of the better kickers of the last twenty years. It is supposed to just be sunny. Sunday, really? That's what it says. I was hoping it was going to rain. Uh, yes, let's add more mitigating factors to this game because I love what it does to Paul's hair. I mean, suddenly Paul's hair. Had, the Brillo, and yeah, it's nasty. Just dump water on him as he walks by. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, was Cam Johnson the <laughs> it piece? It looks like poured concrete. <laughs> the piece the Suns wouldn't part with for Kevin Durant this offseason. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Paulie. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Interesting nugget and a story by Jake Fisher on Yahoo Sports about the Phoenix Suns. Wolf, we're at that point now where we're starting to see all these season previews and the Suns are one of the more prominent teams in the NBA, so there's more focus on them. We were looking at the athletic season preview earlier in the week. This one's not a season preview, though. This one uh, is entitled, The Sun's Curious Handling of Jay Crowder Creates More Questions Than Answers. And there is a lot about Jay Crowder in here, and we can get into that, but I want to skip ahead a few paragraphs into the story where it says... Uh, During the team's trade pursuit of Kevin Durant this summer, sources said Suns officials remained steadfast that Cam Johnson was off limits, although one source said Phoenix did ultimately include him in an offer. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of, it seemed a little contradictory. Does sort of undercut it there, right? Yes. You you can't have him unless you give us what we want. (laughs) You can't have him. Okay. Well, there, he was included in one offer. Yeah, but just that one. one So who knows? Who knows who's telling the truth there or not? But it does, it does highlight an off season that focused on so many different things. DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Robert Sarver, all these different areas where, where the focus has been on the Suns. But Cam Johnson, it sounds like at least to a certain extent, he was somebody they did not want to part ways with, yeah. even for Kevin Durant. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure it was, it was obviously Cam Johnson and a bunch of other things. And they were like, okay, you can have all of our picks and you're going to have this guy and that guy. You don't get Cam too. Although, as you said earlier, they probably, if push came to shove and that was going to get them Durant, uh, maybe it's a different story. But on top of all that, he has moved into the starting lineup in such fashion that is Likely driving Jay Crowder out of out of Phoenix too. Yeah, that's a big summer for Cam. Were you Johnson. surprised by that? Were you surprised before you go on? Were you surprised that Cam Johnson was off the table? If he was really off the table, I'm surprised anybody not named Devin Booker was off the table in a trade for Kevin Durant. If that's really the case, obviously not trading Booker for Durant, but anybody else. Durant, you're talking about one of the 10 best players of all time. Yeah, you know, for me, um, obviously in negotiations, you always want to appear as though you are the one giving in to the demands of your counterpart. You always want to look like you're the one who crumbled for the most part. So you find a point of no return, my brothers, and you say stuff like, you'll never get Camp Johnson. (laughs) <laughs> All right, just stop right there. Um, you're never going. We are not. We're taking Cam Johnson off the table. As a matter of fact, Cam Johnson, that mug you just right <laughs> there, and we're putting Cam Johnson over here because you, sir, 
We'll never get him. Don't even think about Cam Johnson. <laughs> we're okay, here to so talk again, about Kevin that, You want to make it seem like that's the point of no return. Don't even go there. Would you say that's a lot like this uh, Sean McVay negotiating play right here? I love Odell. We have constant dialogue. I think he also knows that um, certainly I don't think that's the, the last one um, that would come from us. I'm not familiar exactly what it is. Uh, he knows how we feel about him. Um, we got a little bit of time, but uh, love Odell. Nothing but good things coming from me. Yeah. That's not the last <laughs> that's, offer, Odell. That's I didn't not even know the what it was. one right there. I don't even know. You know, honestly, <laughs> he just knows keep that we it. might. I, look at that. Yeah, that's not it right here. When you're in a Negotiating, man. You're just making it seem like, look, don't even go. Oh, you want Cam Johnson? Is it? Oh, you're never going to get I thought Cam. we told you not to ever bring him I, up. Yeah. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you appear to be the, the party that is crumbling. That's, that's the way you want to do it. That's the way you want to negotiate things like that. So... Um, that's not a surprise that somebody would report, oh, they took him off the table. They said there's no way, except there was one deal <laughs> where they're right. We, sh- we probably shouldn't even be talking about this. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that. So anyways, Cam Johnson, though, to me, um, I think the Suns see him and say, this, this guy is not a finished product. I was talking about Mikael Bridges in exactly the same way. I think these two guys right here, they, they still are getting better. And what will that do for a Suns team going forward if those two guys just get incrementally better? Well, I think there's a lot riding on Cam Johnson's shoulders this season as far as, as, as how deep this team can go. When I say that, I don't mean if, if Cam doesn't take another step, well, the Suns are going to be bad. Now, the Suns are going to be good either way. But if you're talking about them winning a title, you just made him a starter. It sounds like because you made him a starter, you lose Jay Crowder. So, again, Mm. you go from having Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson to just Cam Johnson. More pressure. Yeah. Now, maybe you get something for Jay Crowder, but as of October 13th, you haven't. And this story goes in and details a lot of what you and I were saying earlier in the week of the teams that are going to want Jay Crowder. They'll give you a pick. Well, yes. pick doesn't help the Suns right now. The picks are trying. The Suns are trying yes. to win right now. In fact, it also says in this story that the Suns' front office appears to operate on one-year schedules, right? Um, which is not like breaking news, but that means yeah, we don't want whoever's first-round pick, which is going to be the twenty-seventh pick in the first round two years from now for Jay Crowder. That does nothing for the Suns. So there is, if you're looking for ways for the Suns to improve, right now it's got to be internally. That's Cam Johnson. Yes, you have put him in the starting lineup. You've for all intents and purposes, lost Jay Crowder. And uh, the, the, the pressure, the stakes are raised on this season anyway because of last year. Yeah, you're checking the boxes right there. The boxes, of course, that lead to pressure for Cam Johnson. Uh, Cam Johnson, okay, Cam, we need you to be better this year than you were even last year. We need to check that box right there. Pressure goes up because I guarantee you that's what precipitated all of this. That conversation they had with Cam Johnson, that was the precursor to saying, we're going to put you in the starting lineup. They had a conversation. We need you to be better this year than you were last year. We need you to continue to develop. Check that box. They obviously told him rebounding was one of the things because he said that flat out. Exactly right. Now, all of a sudden, um, we need you to start, Cam. We need you to start this year. They probably told him that in a separate conversation, I would imagine, yeah, right? Somehow so got now back all of a sudden, to Jay Crowder. <laughs> exactly. Now all of a sudden, check that box right there. Oh, by the way, Jay Crowder's not going to be here. Check that box. The pressure just continues to mount. And I'm wondering, and I'm a little worried, not, not scared, just a little worried 
as to whether or not, whether or not, um, you know, whether or not Cam Johnson feels the pressure. <laughs> as I'm laughing at myself and my own inside joke. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at I'm you. I'm not terrified. I'm not horrified. Well, you kept looking over at I'm Command not afraid. Stop it right now. I know she's over there. She loves doing that. Ah, go ahead and Google it, my young crunks. But how do you Google that? <laughs> I'm just saying, Google it. The terrifieds, the afraid family, whatever it is. I'm worried. That this pressure, how is Cam Johnson going to respond to this pressure? Can't wait to see it. That's one of the things I'm going to be watching closely when the season begins. He, he has quickly become, he was already an important player on this team. He's quickly become one of the more pivotal players on this team. It's, it's, again, if you're looking for this team to take a step forward, right now they haven't really added pieces that you would scream, Hey, that's that, that means they're making this huge improvement on paper. They've added some pieces, but we got to see. But Cam Johnson is the guy with the upside like DA, yeah. but he's moving into a new role. DA's in the same spot. They're just, <laughs> they're just not talking to him as much. Uh, all right, when we come back, are we in for another weekend of roughing the passer calls? Cardinals players are weighing in now. We'll get you their reactions next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Had one of those moments where this is kind of cool, right? So here. much during the break, I forgot we were talking about yeah, coming back. back. So don't worry about it. Okay. What, what is this right here? This is kind of cool. I've never heard this. Green before. Day? It's got to be Green Day, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have no idea, but command and control. Push a T. What? What? Push a T. What? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't say that. Maloney said okay, that. Yeah. Um, That's the song. It's called Hard Piano. Oh, hard, hard piano. What is Pusha T's main song? Because now I, I'm like thinking of it and I can't think of it. Now I have to. Don't have, ask me. We have to go to break again so I can look this up. It's going to bother me for the next 10 minutes. Okay, don't worry about it. But this is kind of cool right here, man. This is going to bother me. All right. Um, we Just are going to talk. chilling somewhere, right? It abruptly ended because you, you talked. So, uh, the roughing the passer. We had um, we had Zoe on earlier. We talked about it uh, with him in the lowdown. And interesting to get a defensive player's perspective. How about uh, Jalen Thompson's perspective? Because now some of the Cardinals are weighing in. Uh, goodness gracious. After the couple calls I've seen on TV, I'm not really sure what it is anymore. Um, I guess it's just coming off the edge and being a little too physical with the quarterback, I guess. I'm not really sure, but um, definitely been seeing those calls and, uh, you know, we got to hone in on that and make sure that we, uh, we're right on our, on our side. How do you play defensive football anymore in the National Football League? That's what I want to know. How, how do you do that? The well, quarterback we- comes out, he's running the ball, he's trying to actually convert, trying to run for a first. How, how do you... Are you kidding me? You can't hit the guy the way that you want to hit him because you know he's going to slide at some point in time. I mean, I'm just telling you right now, it's impossible to me mentally to go out there and play the game the way it should be played. Okay, well, let's just let's kind of recap what we have learned about tackling a quarterback in the last few years and especially the last uh, week, okay? You can't hit him high. Yeah, That's off limits. Okay? Right. Can't hit them low. Okay. You don't want to mess up knees. Check. Uh, don't hit them as they're sliding or looking like they might slide. Right. Um, <laughs> don't hit them near the sidelines. You can't do that. Because what if what if the, he steps right out of bounds as yes. you're hitting them? Then you're getting 15 yards. Yes. Uh, but now also on top of all that, when you're sacking them, don't land on them. Um, don't hit them like from, you know, don't blindside, like hit them helmet in the back. None of that. Just kind of just don't hit them. 
Could you do yeah. that? Could you play defense without hitting the quarterback? Because that seems to be where we are at right now. Yes. I'm fine with the don't hit him high because you're not supposed to have headshots on anybody. Right, exactly. It's not supposed to be a quarterback thing. That's not supposed uh, to be I, anybody. I'm also okay with the, you know, don't hit him low. Yeah, I am too. In, but be in able spirit. to hit him. Yeah, but sometimes you're like on the ground and there's an offensive lineman driving your head into the ground and you're just like, I'm going to grab the quarterback's ankles he's running by to try right. and trip him. And they're like, well, you really shouldn't be hitting him below the knee. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's, it's with force actually going in below the knee. It's, That's they, the rule. Right. Sometimes you get these calls like we saw over the weekend, though, like, I just didn't like the way you looked at Tom yeah, before I, you hit him. <laughs> no, I know. And that, that really is a problem. The NFL has got to do something about it. When I saw when I saw the the um, hit on Tom Brady and the sack, I, I, I said it at the time. This is before Chris Jones, of course, and Derek Carr. I said it at the time right there. The NFL, what I want to see from the NFL is a written statement saying this this is not this is not roughing the passer this is not a penalty and we're going to go ahead and correct this and we're going to address this in the offseason as well and fix this rule and then the Chris Jones thing happened with Derek Carr I um they doubled down on it. They doubled of down. What you said, yeah. Where you had Tony Dungy once again. I've said this multiple times, but I don't care. It's the best example and the best argument for this. When you've got Tony Dungy, who loves the game of football and is not prone to hyperbole in any way, shape, or form, when you have him tweeting out, this is not football anymore, after the Chris Jones roughing the passer penalty, um, he's dead right, first and foremost. It isn't football anymore. And if Tony Dungy is saying that, of all people, Tony Dungy, can you imagine what certain fans are saying? Fans that love the game as much as anybody else. Fans that love the game so much, they spend money buying merchandise, buying tickets. They spend money, a lot of it, supporting a team. And all of a sudden, they come to the conclusion... This isn't football anymore. Well, I, I That's saw, the last thing you want them to don't about. want that. I saw somewhere, Wolf, that they're trying to make flag football an Olympic sport in, uh, I think, 10 years or something. Is that, I mean, it feels I, like I, with, I with the quarterbacks, I, because what you're talking about is as a fan, like if you're a, if you're a Falcons fan, you probably feel like, man, we, we probably we started to come back on the Buccaneers and we should have had a chance because that was third down. Yeah. So that's not a like, oh, this isn't football anymore because I'm not seeing guys getting carted off the field and I pay money and it's a blood sport and I want to see injuries. Like that's not it's not that mentality. It's when my team's on defense, they can't hit the other quarterback. What are you supposed to do, especially I, against Tom Brady? What are you supposed to do? Here's uh, Kyler Murray, and I haven't heard this yet. This is Kyler Murray, so this is the quarterback, a, a current quarterback's perspective on the roughing the passer calls. I feel like I get hit sometimes, and, and you know, I, maybe I haven't earned that respect yet. But um, no, the the one the other day was pretty egregious. You know, I think that was was that it was a strip sack, right? Yeah, he came down with the ball. Um, I mean, yeah, football is football. I think we all, you know, it's obviously gotten a little safer, you know, since we were um, since we were kids playing peewee football um, with all the protocols and stuff like that. I know they're trying to take care of the quarterbacks and stuff, which, I mean, I'm not arguing, complaining about. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the defense is, you know, frustration and everybody watching, you know, because it's a physical game we know we signed up for. Um, you got to try to protect yourself as best as possible. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, they can get it right. How about Kyler? Well, yeah, I don't feel like Kyler. I'm getting those calls. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Hey, man, no, I mean, that's good no, right, right there. It really is what you signed up for. It, it is. This is what it is. It's not a safe game, based on It never will be a safe game. Um, and that's something that I think, do you care about player safety? Yes. Do you try to change the, yes, I'm all for it. You can't have the headshots going on. Yeah. You just can't do it. But- CTE is real. And, and we all know it's real. And you can't have the, the headshots that are going on like that. Um, you got to try to get that out of the game. And I think they've done a really good job in that regard. But it's never going to be a safe game. And what's more dangerous, that that hit on Tom Brady on Sunday or making guys play on Thursday night after they, ju- they just played on Sunday and yeah. making guys play a 17-game schedule instead of a 16-game schedule? I mean, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, again, but I, I think common sense here would say, Playing these games closer together and playing more and more games and the wear and tear on if you're if you're really all in on player safety, then should you really be looking at extending it to 18 games, which we all feel like is going to happen here at some point? I don't know. Uh, you you probably just summarized it right there. It, you're never going to get it to the point where it is a safe game. You have to try. Yes, and I understand right. that. But it feels like they're really crossing a line. Here's Buda Baker. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you sneeze, you might get a penalty as well. So you never know. I'd be so frustrated if I was a defensive player. I, I don't know how they play. Seriously. Josh Josh Allen's running at you. He's running at you with don't a football. Josh Allen. Yeah. Do, do you know when you square a dude up on the field, you the eye contact is there first and foremost. And I can tell you right now, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up thinking about it. And it's a challenge out on a football field. Josh Allen, you see him run the ball too? Will he dip it and rip it on you? You better believe he'll dip it and yeah. rip it on you. Yes. And he knows you have to think about whether or it's, not you're even allowed how, to tackle How him. is that fair? It's not fair. How is that fair? Because how is that safe for the defensive player? At it's a not point? safe for him. He comes up and he doesn't know what to do. I I, I don't know how to approach this guy. Is he going to slide? Is he going to slide? Is he going to be? Nope. You guessed wrong. He's going to truck you. How is that fair? Then you're laying on the field hurt and your coach is like, hey, why don't you make a tackle next I, time? I mean, honestly, it's it's something that they've got to look at and they've got to address. I doubt they ever will, though, brothers. I doubt it ever is going to change. It's never going to go back to where suddenly they say, well, you know what? A quarterback is a runner. He's just like a running back now. You're going to be treated like you're a running back. Even though I think that's exactly what they should do. Well, it may when not. When he crosses the line of scrimmage, he is a runner. It may not get to that point, but don't you agree the league's going to look at what happened last weekend now twice and the second one, which I didn't even think was as bad as the first one, although it was bad. That being on national television, everybody talking about it all week, the league's going to be like, hey, don't just throw a flag because a quarterback got hit and you think he got roughed. Like, actually, maybe take a closer look and see yeah. if it was really roughing the right. passer. That I think something like that could change subtly. Can I just say this quickly? Paul Calvisi, the sideline reporter, of course, for the Arizona Cardinals, ladies and gentlemen, um, Paulie said to me five years ago, I think it was roughly five years ago, why, you know, at some point, I think they're going to put flags on these guys. Flags on the quarterback. 
And I, I mocked him like there was no tomorrow. You still do. <laughs> For different reasons, oh, yeah. though. Okay. And you know what? Five, ten years, he might be right. Ugh. No. <laughs> Uh, all right, when we come back, will Sunday be a good test for the Cardinals' defense? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.